0: Welcome to the Exit 6 podcast. There's just over a week left for this year's final submission deadline, which is on the 8th of July, so get those films into us. We'll be letting any qualifying filmmakers know if they've been successful on the 22nd of July, which gives you plenty of time to get ready for our big day on the 26th of September. In this week's episode, the team will be talking about Great Expectations by Stefan Giorgio, If Girlfriend Deluxe by Steve Moss, and our Judges' Choice 2019 winner, The Cunning Man by Zoe Dobson. Hi everyone, and welcome to episode 26 of the Exit 6 podcast. It's me, Claire, again, and I'm joined again by Josh and Serena, our my fellow judges. How are you doing, guys? We're Hello, Claire. I'm doing well. I've I'm, I'm been busy, busy uh, judging this year's uh, submissions and we're trying to get everything in order so that we've got a super strong uh, uh, program like we do every year. How's, how's the process been for you, Serena? It's good, it's five years this year, isn't it? Yeah. I'm so excited. There uh, should be cake, I think we need a cake. What are we getting for for? It? Yeah, let's get cake, yeah. rainbow
1: cake, <laughs> sparklers. <laughs> unicorn cake, Your unicorn rainbow cake with a sparkler coming out of its unicorn. Yeah, I think that's what we should do.
0: I'm placing an order now, for sure. Josh, do you like sprinkles? Do I
2: like sprinkles? Yeah, yeah actually, yeah, I do. Yeah, on a cake. Essential.
0: <laughs> how, how are you finding this year's submissions?
2: This year? It's very strong.
0: Yeah.
2: Very strong. Yeah. yeah. Oddly strong. Intimidatingly strong. So look out. For... Actually, people should Ooh. make sure to get their film in, because uh, it's going to be a tough year, but everyone should try
0: it's a good problem to have what we have seeing these films you're like oh damn it it's another good one how are we gonna squeeze this in so yeah but but we want them to keep coming in more and more of them because we can't get enough right so let's start off by talking about what we're here to talk about which is last year's top six the judges six we're gonna start with uh great expectations by um stefan giorgio and uh, now this one within three days pip has lost her job her flat and her boyfriend she must decide whether to go back to her home in the countryside and I'm very pleased to say that we were joined uh, for the uh, the Q&A that Stacey hosted Stacey Hart was our host for the evening Um, we were joined by uh, Pip Swallows who was the, the star and the writer so that was a bit of a coup so we'll have a listen to that first
3: oh they love you already there you go Thank you so much for being with us, Pip. That's just a wonderful, wonderful film to end our six films on. Thank you. um, You wrote and obviously acted in it. Um, I want to start, I guess, by asking... I did a little bit of reading, did my homework. How much of this... The start of this process for you, how much was nominative determinism and how much was Richard Curtis in a lift?
4: Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that did, um, yeah, there's a couple of um, things. I think, uh, so the first thing that sort of uh, set me to thinking that I could actually write something was seeing Catastrophe, actually. And she calls, Sharon Horgan calls herself Sharon in it. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. And what, that's brilliant. You could just write something that, and just call yourself your own name. And then, <laughs> and then I did this um, like one day workshop that was, um, a Nigerian theatre company who do sort of classic, um, uh, you know, cl- classic transpositions into Nigerian culture. So, like, they'll do Shakespeare and things like that. And that sort of got that little thing going in my head. And then uh, one of my many jobs, one of the, the least shit ones, is um, <laughs> is working in, uh, in radio. And... Um, Richard Curtis happened to be in the lift with me uh, as I was taking him up to the show that he was about to be on. And um, he we were talking about what we'd have on our graves gravestones, cheery chat, and uh, he said, oh, what lark's pip is what I'll have on mine? And I was like, ah, OK. And that's from Great Expectations. So, yeah, just like all of those little bits. Dots. Yeah. yeah sort of, a, a, yeah, a bit like... Um, uh the uh the cunning man film you know those sort of little traces or ephemera that you're picking up uh as a as a maker so yeah it's yeah it's like your life is
3: going through a coffee filter and you just sort of pick it out and go hmm what's in here that's really interesting yeah cool um so i mean i love the film um i love the music in the film i love that great rosie plains track that you open on it's just amazing um, and I wanted to. Uh, I've just noticed for the first time the forever thing in the um, when he says, "So you're going to do this forever," yeah. and there's, there's like this echo there. I just noticed that then, and I was like, oh, "Wow, that's amazing." Um, so I wanted to ask you about the process of making it because it started life as a TV pilot, I think.
4: Yeah, um, yeah, that was the original idea. Um, I thought, oh, if if Sharon Horgan can make catastrophe. Um, uh, again, I was doing. I was doing. I was volunteering in a pottery studio with the Elizabeth Richards, who did the costume, and she was saying that she just worked on a pilot, um, and that's the way things are made now. You, you make a 15-minute pilot, and then a channel might pick it up to make a series. So that was the original intention, but then. Yeah, Stefan, the director, was sort of happy with it as a film in itself. So that's, yeah, and I hope you guys liked it as well. Definitely, (laughs) definitely, yeah. Um, I think
3: that there are, um, as someone who concerns herself with feminism a little... um, I heard you laughing, you <laughs> fuckers that know me. Um, I uh, really appreciated that throughout, it was sort of an innately feminist film. Is that something that you set out to do or did it just sort of come out of, you know, like little bits of experience, like paper jam face, that face that you have on when you're talking about that and you just see that guy in the background and you just got this stoic, I don't think you even moved, there's just this is mm. this wonderful stoic look. Did, was that intentional, that, that whole thread?
4: Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. I suppose you know, that as well, uh, by sort of reversing the male canon, um, by sort of reversing Charles Dickens's uh, Great Expectations, even the form of it, I hope, is is a kind of a feminist statement. And um, yeah, I, I I hope if I do get to develop it further, to carry that on with sort of micro narratives. So that will be an alternative thing. It won't just be my story, it will be all the other people's story. And we'll see the, the wheat in the fields in Lincolnshire go back to the toast cafe. So everything sort of has a, this circle. I love circles and all of that kind of thing. So, yeah.
3: I love that as well, Ironic Toast. I just there's a, there's a band name in there somewhere I'm sure of it. Next band I start, Ironic Toast. Um, it's interesting, you end on, to make an end is to make a beginning, which is a T.S. Eliot line. What made you go from sort of doing this, uh, not adaptation so much as a Charles Dickens bass thing and ending it with a T.S. Eliot line?
4: Well, again, I, 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 like this character sort of quotes all of these great men, like the, we've, you know, we're sort of educated to absorb. Indoctrinated. Yeah, yeah, it's like, do you remember in um, History Boys, they, they, they talk about gobbets. And these sort of little phrases that you you know to to if you get go for your Cambridge or Oxford uh, exam, you're supposed to apparently like pepper your language with all of this. And I suppose, uh, yeah, like consciously or subconsciously, uh, Pip sort of disagreeing with all of those things. Although, yeah, that one she sort of agreed with. <laughs> but but yeah, but because of the circle again, um, yeah. So. I suppose that's another postmodernist trope as well, sort of bringing other work and pastiche and, um, yeah, collage. So, yeah, that's another intention as well. Well,
3: From what I can gather, T.S. Eliot was a fan of Dickens anyway, and I'm delighted that that circle brought you here to us this evening.
0: Thank you so much, Pip Swallow, and great expectations, everyone. (laughs) I I really enjoyed this film. I thought it was so funny, and I did really feel for the the character of Pip and uh, her, her job's in uh, the jobs that you don't enjoy, but you've got to pay the rent somehow. It was just very funny, and uh, I, I'm I'm looking forward to. I'm hoping that uh, Pip Swallows will what swallow will be able to um, do some more writing because I think there's certainly some more some more material in there for sure. So Josh, we'll start with you. Um, what were your your thoughts on first seeing um, Great Expectations?
2: It feels like what Daisy Steiner did just before she moved in with Tim Bisley.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah
2: hmm <laughs> Yeah. Uh, she has, uh, it was it's nice listening to Pip talk there. Uh, she name Sharon Horgan, who's a, who's a hero of mine. Catastrophe is a masterpiece, I think, with what she wrote with Rob Delaney. Very clever structure. And it's nice to hear her talk about that, because when I watched it, I saw I saw Spaced. Um, I, I think I like both of them equally, Spaced in Catastrophe and Catastrophe. Uh, 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 her touchstone and my touchstone, uh, I think they're related in a way. And I think she's brought it together with what Great Expectations is. Um, it was nice to hear her. Um, she's obviously well-pit, obviously well-read, and Eurydite has strong grasp of the classics, which means that she's probably got seasons and seasons of clever, clever structure and witty um, uh, writing in, uh, in the bag somewhere. Uh, it does feel like it's a, a sitcom, and it and it should do. It doesn't dim, dim, diminish its power as a film, but it. Uh, hearing a talk about you know, the genesis of, of it being a sitcom is There's nothing wrong with it. In fact, that's part part of its strength. Um, I I, I just saw. Uh, I loved. It was a tour de force from Pip as well, and in the acting department, you know, funny and vulnerable. Uh, and daring uh, and and equal to that was what the director did decentralising her each time every time there was anything in, funny going on the camera was dead set on Pip and it it worked everything melts away you know I love that film this is it was the, it was a witty uh, deconstruction of those daily moments in Britain uh, <laughs> do you know what I mean uh, we all yeah. do it, it th- th- those moments that make us go yeah tsk. Or, or, you know, Uh, and and she nailed it. It was it was razor sharp um, accuracy on that, and I love, and that's what I loved about it.
0: Yeah, I think it was quite quite relatable at some points for sure. Um, So, Serena, could you relate? Did you feel pit? Oh my god, I love this film so much because. I felt her like
1: I was her. Like I, it just reminded me so much of like feeling so sorry for myself when I was going to acting school in London and also working as a temp in my holidays and and uh, my our acting school was in Shoreditch. So every time you wanted to buy a coffee, it cost nine pounds and came in three cups <laughs> and that you had to mix together. And it was just like I just felt so sad all the time because I was working in these places that were kind of so soul destroying, like Pip does in this film. And, And, but she wants to be creative and it's not really happening. And you're worried that you're going to end up in this office forever. That's horrible with all these horrible people around and yeah. And you can't afford anything. And I was just like, Oh my God, this is my life. (laughs) Um, I could, um, but because of that, because she tapped into that so well, and then so witty, like Josh says, um, I can, I would happily watch like a TV show, like a whole series of that. Cause I just, I love that character. I'm related to her. Um, She, you know, that whole, even the bit where she gets replaced by the intern. (laughs) I just, I I adored her. I adored her writing. Um, I want more of her. So
0: yeah. Oh, well, good luck to her. We want to see more. Okay, so on to If, Girlfriend Deluxe by Steve Moss. Now, unfortunately, Steve was unable to join us on the day, so uh, we'll be discussing this uh, as much as we can anyway. um, Frank tries to replicate the lost intimacy of his marriage with Cindy, a synthetic pleasure unit, but she has other ideas. It's kind of sci-fi-ish, doesn't it, having this AI uh, kind of... uh, being in your home who who is kind of standing in as his wife um but I, what really stood out for me on this one was the performance uh by um uh i think it's devora wild i thought she looked robotic not in a bad you can't act way but like she really performed as a robot in a really nice way almost like like you get with um who's the actress in x uh, Mechina, uh,
2: Alicia Vikander.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, G- sh- her performance is actually a bit more human, but this, this performance by Deborah was was proper, synthetic in a really authentic way. I thought it was. I thought it was really impressive. Serena, what were your thoughts on "If Girlfriend Deluxe"? I wrote, uh,
1: "Sad times for the future of our sex lives." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was, you know, it's uh, there's a lot of like Black Mirror-esque type uh films going around at the moment, but not all of them are uh, nail it and get it well done. And I thought this was one of the ones that did. Like the production was great, the the special effects were great, the acting was great, uh, It it's very tightly made. Um, and I just thought it was hilarious. Like halfway through her, you know, what her, her, her Thing that she does um sexy time with him um like an advert comes on and it's that really shit thing of if you don't buy the full version <laughs> you get all this this like cheapest version of it with an advert yeah. and i just thought it was a, a funny take on on that and um yeah i just thought i thought it was really good yeah thumbs up from serena
0: and so josh what would you what was your thoughts
2: well obviously serena's uh l- l- leant over my shoulder and stolen my notes because uh, that's pretty much what I had. Um uh, a few things different. Uh, what stood out stood out for me straight away was the incredible production design. Like jaw dropping production design. There's, little, there's the 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 set was incredible. Uh the there were clo- there were weird little jars of rats. Um uh you know, crops uh, insects uh was dripping water from the city this was this was production design next level production design uh and the filmmakers knew it and they they uh, everything oh god the the uh, record player uh, and then there's Great uh, camera shots. The, the, bit where, <laughs> the bit where the bit where the there's the sex scene and it's just the wedding ring swinging. <laughs> um, yeah, it was kind of a what if scenario uh, about the creeping advertising, which which we all love. Um, I think the joke here is um, that the old joke of you know two things will survive a nuclear bomb, but I think the joke now is three things will survive a nuclear bomb. You know, cockroaches, taxis and interrupting adverts. Ah, <laughs> and, it, and it's nice to see Reading get lightly mocked as well, because I grew up near there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, Reading does need to be lightly mocked.
0: Now we're going from a, what was a very successful comedy onto um, a bit of a bit of a drama, a bit of a witchcrafty drama. This one was our winner of the 2019 Exit 6 uh, best film and this was The Cunning Man by Zoe Dobson now The Cunning Man is inspired by a real, a real cunning man um, John Harris this is an enchanted tale of compassion in the face of a callous greed and luckily um, Stacy was able to have a chat with uh, the director Zoe Dobson um, and the writer Ali Cook so we're going to have a listen to that first before we discuss the film Hey,
3: Zoe is the director of The Cunning Man, Ali is the writer, producer and, as you see, starred in the film. So, well done and thank you so much for bringing that film to us. I just have so much I want to ask. So, um, John Harries was a real-life 18th, 19th century cunning man. As I understand it, that was his actual book that we... Oh, sorry. I, <laughs> it's me rattling on. You don't get a chance to talk, No. Um, that was his actual book that you saw at the start of the film, and as I understand it, he predicted the day of his own death. That's amazing. Oh, <laughs> well, I, I was promised a lollipop, so. <laughs> and maybe a pony. I don't uh, know. Yeah,
6: he did uh, predict, uh, predict his own uh, death, and so he stayed in his house the entire day, and then his house burnt down and he died.
3: That's just the kind of detail yeah. I just love. <laughs> so, um, can you tell me, did you stumble across this guy into, uh, into a road venturing down towards a history of magic or did you do that and find him along the way? What was the, what was the source?
6: Um, well, Zoe uh, so uh, had the original idea, which was, cool. um, Ali, I've got this idea of a man walking down a road holding a dead dog and I wanna know why. Solid start. <laughs> So that was like the opening idea. Yeah. And then I said, um, I, uh, the history of magic is my hobby, so then oh, I cool. said, um, have you heard of a cunning man? And that's immediately where we made the link. And then did you discover John Harris? I can't remember. Yeah. Yes, you did, yes. So do you wanna... yeah,
5: no, I, I, was, I knew nothing about cunning men, and cunning men um, were sort of pre- prevalent from sort of 16th century to mid-20th century, mm. and they could cure man or beast. So um, if you're a farmer and you couldn't afford a vet or you didn't really believe in traditional uh, medicine you call in the cunning man to cure your animals and I, yeah I just thought you know cunning folk were a thing um, that I n- never knew anything about and I started to research it and then I found this amazing manuscript with all these sort of diagrams in mm. um, in the Welsh National Library and this yeah. very famous Welsh cunning man and my f- this is my family farm mm. um, uh, it looks a lot better than that in real life <laughs> <laughs> and we don't have dead animals anywhere. but everywhere um, and so it sort of made and we live in Wales Yes. Um, so the family farm's in Wales. And so it's sort of, it all connected. It, it's funny how these things, you know, you start with one tiny little image and yeah. then you suddenly make all the connections. And, and, and I just did. think,
3: I have this idea, tell me why is such a good thing to give a writer. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, it was uh, filmed on your family farm, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. And there's definitely, uh, there's definitely some of the idea of uh, how, how difficult a life that is for the people and how easy... Yeah it is to make that life harder. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you feel very passionately about and you want to tell stories about?
5: Definitely. Yeah, yeah definitely. My brother actually runs a farm and um, he does an amazing job. And, and some of it's sort of inspired by what he has to put up with mm-hmm. because he does have health inspectors out on his farm. They do turn up in brogues. Are they all um,
3: bastards with backhanders?
5: <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, he's struggling to make a living. And, uh, and you know, there's so much... That's, uh, that he has to deal with, um, you know, I, I just, I, I have a huge amount of respect for him. Definitely. And, and, it's, and so I wanted to make a film, I've always wanted to make a film about farming, and, uh, but it's also, also close to the bone in a way, you know, it's also close emotionally. And, and this, I suppose it gave us a reason to sort of separate,
3: um, yeah.
5: you know, what I, what I really, really feel, but still sort of have a flavor of it.
3: Yeah, it's around um, it without, I guess, having it be too... uh, Yeah, I'm struggling to find words. (laughs) It can be be a little bit... When you're trying to tell something you feel so passionately about, you can almost put people off with the over-politicisation, if that's a word, I guess. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I have that problem... A lot. This is a soapbox talk, and then I realise my guests have gone. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about the effects because I just thought that the whole thing was just beautifully done. I am horrendously phobic of anything with more legs than your average dog, and the flies and everything. It should have been da, and and it, it was beautiful. It was like watching a rebirth. Well, it was. And um, yeah, it was more uplifting than call the midwife. Tell me, tell me about that. <laughs>
6: Uh, well, I'm a professional magician, and... Um, After <gasps> uh,
3: party! <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> yes!
6: I've got my cards, got my cards. And, yes! Uh, Score! <laughs> and my hankies. And, uh, <laughs> the, um, the, the flies, just... bringing the flies back to life is a, is a real-time magic trick um, wow. that David Blaine first did on his first special, and I, I contacted him, and he, he, let, he allowed us to do it. I can't tell you how he did it, uh, but we mixed a real-time magic trick... With the CGI of the sheep,
3: that is amazing. And it's
6: just this idea that um, professional magicians—one of the reasons you can't catch a magician is they mix the methods. Ah. So we kind of thought, instead of just blasting it with CGI, yeah. why don't we try and do some real-time, sort of old-school special effects and mix it in with the CGI? Mm-hmm. So it makes everything look more authentic.
3: That's just brilliant, and yeah, I just I thought it was a really, really good piece of work, and these guys obviously enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Cheers.
0: Zoe Dobson, Ali Cook, for being with us this evening. I really enjoyed *The Cunning Man*. I'm I'm quite fascinated by um, healing, alternative therapy, holistic therapies, stuff like that. So this this story was I found quite fascinating. I didn't I didn't know that there was a such thing as can uh, cunning men who who were like like they say in the Q and A they would heal uh, sick farm animals because you know they they're, they're cheaper. <laughs> These guys would do it for for the love and the fact that they've got this amazing skill rather than charging as much as a vet would. So I thought that was quite an education, and uh, visually I thought it was absolutely stunning. It was just like there's some really lovely shots of the cunning man. I think he was in like a just having a fag in a doorway. It was just gorgeous. I could stare at that for hours. And then there was the special effects uh, with, with the uh, the revival of the, the animals. It was just beautifully done. It was quite nicely paced. I found it all very, very intriguing. Um, but that's enough about uh, what I thought of
2: it what were your thoughts Josh? Uh, it's nice listening to Zoe talk because she kind of reinforces why the prize went to the, the film in the end uh, talking about her you know her family situation and such and uh, you know film what you know is uh, uh, coming to life here um, I think it was a great decision by Byrne uh, to pick this one um, I remember campaigning hard for this one to get into the top six and it's uh, it was delightful to see it in there and more so seeing it win. Um, um, I kind of knew a, a little bit about the cunning men in the past. I, I grew up somewhere near Hungerford and there was a pub there called The Cunning Man. And so when I was younger, I just thought, oh, that just means a, a wily person. And then when I got a little older and did some research, went, ah, okay. It means a, he is a bit more pagan than I thought, you know. Uh, So once this film came up, it just leapt out at me immediately. Um, Quite beside the fact that it has, um, it's an example of everything coming together and working. Uh, You know, the camera work, the acting, the the writing, directing, everything. Uh, And especially the production design, uh, who I must name drop, which is uh, the amazing Felix Coles. Um, I've watched this film about five times, and I I, I can't figure out how she did half of the, the... the bits and pieces, the the magic behind it all. Um obviously um Ali there revealed a few um secrets. But still, um the Felix and her production team did I the best production design I think I I can recall seeing for years in the short film. You know, the whole you you go into that barn and it, you know, the the, the 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 animals and the and the the, the, the van, the dirty, everything was just it was just next level for production design. I like that it's a kind of a choose life kind of tale. I like how it feels like it's um, uh, it's telling us that the man of the fields is returning to bring order. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I thought it had something to do with Brexit, but it probably doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Having heard the interviews, but you can you can there's multiple readings. It's um, as Claire said, beautiful to look at. Um, expertly paced and uh, a worthy winner. And I'm so pleased it won. Well done, Zoe.
0: Absolutely. So Serena, what would you like to say about The Cunning
1: Man? Uh, I found it a very intriguing film. I think what works so well with this, especially in front of an audience, is it's one of those films that doesn't reveal everything. And because you're so into like, how did they do this? And how do they figure out how to bring back the flies, for instance, that was my thing that's been bugging me forever. I think it is one of those things that kind of keeps people talking about it and engaged long after you see the film. Um, And again, I didn't really, obviously I've I've known about healers and and whatnot of the past, but I didn't know the term cunning man. So it kind of educated me in that sense as well. And just uh, kind of, I like that it was on the side of the good people. You know what I mean? Like, the, it was very humble in that sense. It was like, no, we don't want the bad guys to win. And then they didn't. <laughs> and I'm so glad they brought all the animals back because I was really sad that this man had a
0: whole pile of dead animals. I'm like, what, what happened on his farm? Uh, it was the dog. It's like, you can't... I don't think they could have... He was such a good actor, this dog. He was... So cute. Doug, so cute. I was like, oh, "Okay, I'm in." All right, yeah. wait, I've got to
1: get through the end to make sure he comes back. I so, okay,
0: yes. I'm very pleased to say. I mean, um, I was obviously very pleased that the the cunning man won an award for for Zoe Dobson. I think she's done a cracking job there. But I was also very pleased to to learn that um, in April, um, her documentary on Duran Duran came to Netflix. It's a Duran Duran. There's something you should know. And I've not had a chance, believe it or not, during lockdown. Was, ugh, I envy the people that have managed to watch so much and watch box sets because what, what else have they not done? I just seem to be busy every flipping day. But I am going to find the time to watch this documentary because uh, I love a bit of Duran Duran and I really like Zoe Dobson. So I think it's going to be a, a pretty good watch. So I'm going to wrap this up, I'm kind of sure there's going to be more podcasts leading up to uh, our next big day, but if not, we'll see you on the other side of it when we have lots, 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 lots more to talk about, because there's always films to talk about and we love talking about them. So, for now, we're going to say stay safe, keep submitting to our festival, and uh, we'll see you sometime soon. Take care. Bye. Bye.
2: Bye. Keep making films, everybody.
0: This podcast was produced by Face TV with music from Joe Williams.
4: This podcast was produced by Face TV with music from Joe Williams.